my name is Alfred Hitchcock, and I would like to tell you about my forthcoming lecture. It is about the birds and their age-long relationship with man. It will be seen in theatres like this across the country. In my lecture, I hope to make you all aware of our good friends, the birds. Theirs is a noble history, and through it all, man has played a conspicuous part. Everybody, welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Brendan and Jeremy. I said it right that time on purpose, not because you did it I... great. You did a perfect <laughs> job. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh huh. And today we have a guest, uh, which is Will. So, uh, who are you again? Will uh, Meniker. You're right, uh, Meniker. It says here in my card. <laughs> Hi, Will Meniker. How you doing, buddy? Hello. <laughs> How do we say this? Is it Meniker? <laughs> you got it right. <laughs> A little taste of my own medicine, as I am notoriously bad at pronouncing people's names. <laughs> Me oh, yeah, too. That I was, never get it right. That was the catalyst for us first meeting, was because you said Vegeta. Because you <laughs> yeah, called yeah. Vegeta Vegeta, and everybody insisted you come on my show. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I, I read it in my head, and it's just like, it sounds one way, but it never No, you're right. You're yeah. right. You like That's how that's it's how spelled. That's how English works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's spelled Vegeta, and I, I, personally, I forgive you, and I'm... I'm willing to go on record saying that all these years later. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, 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 will, I, will be, I will be held accountable by the anime community. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very important accountability process that is, of course, taking place on stolen land. Um, so we were yeah. talking before, you, uh, before we started recording. Will, you're all juiced up. You're, you're vaxxed. Bryn and I are almost fully vaxxed. We no, both I'm got fully. vaxxed on... Well, we both had the shot on the same day, so we both have our same two-week waiting period now. Well, it's 10 days, according to the CDC now, Ooh, which I assume, hello. if they're telling us that, that means... It's like it's, four. It's seven, yeah. So, basically... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, and, hell uh, yeah. Yeah, so I actually um, went to the movies this week. Did you? Um, what did you see? Yeah, I saw um, About Endlessness by Roy Anderson. Uh, he's a Swedish director. We've talked about him on the show before. He did You the Living. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Will, have you seen any Roy Anderson movies? I don't think I have. Dude, I think you would like it. It's all very, like, um, it's he doesn't move his camera. It's all locked off, single long take shots, but they all look like really strange paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very... Roy Anderson. Okay, well, I'll, I'll yeah. put it in the queue. He yeah, did, I'd like, recommend You the Living. I really enjoyed it a lot, and I usually don't go in for this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it's a, This is basically You the Living 2, because Songs okay. from the Second Floor is a very, like, um, you know, narrative, but very surreal narrative, and You the Living is like a, you know, series of vignettes about Sweden and how it was a, you know, Nazi-supporting country. <laughs> And uh, this one is very similar in, in set in that it's vignettes. Um, not a lot of like they come back to character sometimes, but not very often. But mm. there's just some incredible stuff. There's a shot in this one of the movie, one of the shots in the movie, and I think probably like the pinnacle of the movie. Spoilers, but it's vignettes. Um, is like 
just uh, the Red Army marching the Nazis through Siberia. It's like this like infinite long trail of like defeated soldiers while like a couple Red Army guys just stand in the snow. It's mm-hmm. absurd looking. <laughs> wow. Um, but very worth watching. I thought it yeah. was pretty good. Not as best, but pretty good. Well, the more important question here, Bryn, of course, is, well, first of all, what, what movie theater did you go to? Film Forum. Film Forum. And uh, did you get did you get any snacks? What did you get? No, no, you can't take your <laughs> mask off. <laughs> they still don't let you. Oh, that's cruel. Have you seen Have you seen any movies yet? Well, I I I went to the theater for the first time in like over like a, a year, uh, just like the yeah. other week. Mm-hmm. I went to the the Nighthawk, the Prospect Park Nighthawk, and nice. they do let I you take your one. mask off once Ooh. you sit down because you know they serve food there. So you have oh, to. Oh yeah, you can't just like shove it into your mask. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Catherine and I uh, we saw uh, Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk. Uh, solid experience all around, uh, in case you are not familiar with the movie. It is, what if Bob Odenkirk was John Wick? Right. That's, Dude, that's hell the yes. Movie. I know exactly what you're talking it's, about, it's, yes. It's nothing more or less than that. If that sounds appealing to you, then I would highly recommend this movie. Uh, Does Bob he do Odenkirk a good job? Is he like... Is John Wick. He is literally just... It, it, no, he's John Wick. It's the plot of John Wick, except it's Bob Odenkirk instead of Keanu Reeves. Yeah, but that's the big question mark, right? Is Bob Odenkirk? Because <laughs> it's like those early, um, like, Taken, the first time Taken... Like you, oh, you, yeah. you Liam see Liam Neeson, you're like, is Liam Neeson an action star? Like, is this gonna <laughs> is work? This possible? How does Bob do? Is he all right? Oh, he's he's great. I mean, I, I mean, I love Odin Kirk, and like, obviously, like the 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 sort of the humor or like uh, entire cell of the movie is that he doesn't look like a guy who would be like mm-hmm. the world's most deadly badass operator, <laughs> right? But he he totally pulls it off. It was very fun, and you know, if you're if you're a fan of films. Christopher Lloyd makes an appearance in oh, the movie, and it was hello. wonderful to see him again in a movie. I always love to see Christopher Lloyd in a movie. We gotta blow its brains out, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, he plays did, Odenkirk's dad. My question so about that... I'm not getting that, too much away, but it was very fun. My question about that movie is, is it in the same like Harry Potter universe as John Wick? No, like, do they not, have the coins and shit? Like, not... It is not like I... Like an, it's like a, it's just a carbon copy of the John Wick universe, oh, but dang. not the exact John Wick universe. And like, but the bad guy is still like an evil Russian mafia guy. <laughs> that's huh. a that's a missed opportunity to me for me for me because I love that about John Wick that it like did all this weird world building that it yeah, did like not the, have to. <laughs> every like, the, uh, assassins just have a, a network of very nice hotels that they can chill and hang out with, uh-huh. like they all have over their the world. Own money. And like that scene in John Wick too, where like him and Common just like. Like smash through the front door of this hotel. Common it's is like in a, these movies. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Common Jeremy, is in you John Wick too. I haven't seen any of the John Wicks oh, okay. yet. No. So like they oh, like wow. they smash through the door of uh, the Assassin Hotel in in Rome or whatever. Like guns pointed at each other's heads, and like the concierge is just like, "Fellas, you know the rules." And then they just like, because you can't kill another assassin in the Assassin Hotel, right? Or like, you'll get banned. Hey, look, anything's outside this door. It's just it's all business. But once you're but in you the can hotel, kill a regular person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. So. No, no, you can't. <laughs> I think you can't kill anybody within the walls. I think it. And it also depends on the hotel. But the the normal one they're at, the commissar or whatever, you can't kill anything. And as a matter of fact, I think someone kind of gets like a big fine for killing an animal. Oh, um, interesting. In like two or three, 
but uh, yeah, it's a it's really weird because it's basically like action movie Harry Potter, mm-hmm. um, and I really love it. But I'm just I'm disappointed it's not like he's also in the network. You just don't see the John Wick people because it's the same director, right? Uh, no, no, I think it's the same producers, not the oh, same okay. not the same director. Oh, okay. But I mean, well, yeah, it's just. <laughs> it was it was a fun solid experience. It felt great to be back in a movie theater, and it was oh, it yeah. was a good 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 first movie back. Nice. What else have you been watching recently? Uh, the two most recent movies I've seen, uh, like just this week, were uh, the the Eric Andre Bad Trip movie, which I thought was quite funny. It was I enjoyable. love that movie. <laughs> it was very enjoyable. I mean, they, they, like you know, it's 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 like a simple concept of like this sort of hidden camera prank movie, but built around like a very threadbare plot with like yeah. some scripted dialogue. But like, you know, more than anything, it just really excels. in like the funniest parts of the movie are like the genuine reactions from like normal everyday people. <laughs> mm-hmm. There yeah. are some really hilarious, like, like people in the moment reacting to like the insane shit that Eric Andre has contrived around them that were, mm-hmm. that were genuine and quite funny. Is it and like then- up to the level of, um, like the first Borat, or is it kind of like? Oh, it's def- it goes beyond that level. Like, oh, I mean, really? It is like, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. It's 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 very much on that tip. But like, yeah, he, gets- he he does some like insane and gross shit for sure. <laughs> I think when he gets raped by a gorilla, it's <laughs> at spoiler the- <laughs> alert. <Brandon. laughs> he uh, there's a, there's a certain thing where people are losing their mind, but like they don't know how to react in the set because they're like this can't be real like people are like what am i seeing can this be happening uh <laughs> it's very funny um, uh, i think it's- no isaac whenever I, re- I re- when i reviewed bad trip on letterbox like as a joke i just wrote spoilers at like the top of my review and then i said my favorite part was when the gorilla fucked his mouth and then like and then like the, the commenters are like there's a spoiler tag put it on there's a tag for this and i was like it's it's a joke like i mean, just, not giving away anything about the plot of this movie. It's just, yes, a gorilla fucks his mouth and ass in this movie. I refuse to use the fucking Darth Vader oh, spoiler tag. If you're going to read the review, uh, you're going to yeah. find out stuff There's about the movie. There's a spoiler the dice. I didn't yeah, even know. And the other movie I saw this week was the new uh, HBO Max Mortal Kombat movie. Hell yes, dude. Uh, I fucking hated it i thought yeah, it was so goddamn bad it was like infuriatingly awful on uh-huh. so many fucking levels because like i wasn't even aware that like the main character was just a guy they invented for this movie some not, dude never been in the video games not featured ever and nope. i was like cole young i was like i guess I like i just i'm I like frantically googling him the like whole time i'm watching <laughs> Just like trying it to spell sucked. his name backwards, like what Elock? Is that somebody? Yeah. <laughs> it sucked so bad, and man, yeah, like I know, it, like it made me want to rewatch and appreciate the Paul W. S. Anderson Mortal Kombat movie mm-hmm. where Christopher Lambert plays Raiden. Absolutely <laughs> incredible movie. Like that, yeah. that was fun, and like that was fun and cool, and like. Uh, worst of all, at no point in the new Mortal Kombat movie does someone yell "Mortal Kombat" over like be- just like slamming yeah, techno sure, music. Sure. They have the song. They have access to the song, and they don't even touch it until it, it the fucking a, closing credits. Travesty. <laughs> and worst of all is like the first twenty minutes of the movie trick you into thinking that this is going to be cool. Because it's mm-hmm. like in Japan in the 17th century, and it's like the the Sub Zero and Scorpion. Like it's like the 
origin of their vendetta, and it was like cool and violent. And I was like, it's got that guy Joe, uh, Joe, what's his name? Joe Talsim from mm-hmm. The Raid and uh, Warrior, oh, cool. and he kicks ass. I mean, I, I, I mean, I love that he's getting paid. But it was like the first twenty minutes, you're like, okay, cool, all right, all right, this is fun. It's cool <laughs> yeah. and violent. It's like, it's like a cool good like, choreography. And- yeah, exactly. And then like it just, I've never seen a movie do a heel turn that fast. It's just <laughs> absolute dog shit. It's funny because like the trailer looks cool. Like mm-hmm. it, it's really, it's really well shot. Like it's very vibrant color. It doesn't look like the dumb washed out Avengers shit. It oh, is no, colorful. I'll give it that. I mean, it's like most it- of the actual fighting in this movie takes place in like the same sandbox. It's no. like the yeah. worst set I've ever oh, seen. It no. looks like such ass. Oh god. <laughs> and then like all of the fun fatalities and stuff are just crammed all the way at the end. There are like, no uh, fun fatalities. There's like there's one cool gory death in the movie. Yeah, where and he like, like no saws one got their the lady spinal in cord half. ripped out. Like it yeah. just it was yeah it wasn't even that violent. It's just so oh. Disaster. It's so disappointing. It down How could me. you? <laughs> I think the big problem with it is that it wasn't ten hours long. <laughs> yeah, that's a big problem for me. Yeah, you need uh, to introduce all these the, people. The Mortal Kombat universe. There's a lot of lore there that I think that they um, yeah. they should have explored really more fully. Left yeah. on the cutting room floor, and I think that was a big problem. But uh, yeah, I, I I just think it's such a shame that you would have access to everything. Like you've got this property that the only thing people like about it is that it's dumb and it's insanely violent and then you make a rated r movie and you don't do that like you don't make it violent (laughs) it's rated r right yeah it's rated r it's like you know it's it's pretty violent but i was expecting a way higher level of like gruesome brutality that's what i'm saying it has to be like a fucking stewart gordon movie or something yeah absolutely like people getting their jaws ripped off and stuff it's gonna be like saw it legitimately made me long for the PG-13 Paul W.S. Anderson Mortal Kombat film. Yeah. It does I'd, have I'd really sets. recommend revisiting it. We did it for the show maybe like a year ago at this point, but it was uh, like the set design on it is such a like just hidden gem of the whole Gorgeous. thing. Like it, it, everything looks incredible in that movie. <laughs> and Christopher Lambert is so funny. He's the best. Raider. He's having he so much so fun. He's so fucking funny. I, it's just... <laughs> He's having such a good time in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did you watch this week, Jeremy? Um, thanks for asking, Bryn. I um, so since uh, <laughs> since Nico was born, I've been spending a lot of time listening to the radio. Uh, there's a count. lot of like I don't want no no well so I don't want Nico to see a lot of screens yet so like I listen to the mm. radio a lot right and so it got me thinking about a uh, an old movie an old favorite of mine uh, the uh, Howard Stern story Private Parts oh Private my parts. god yes. so I, I rewatched yes. Private Parts for the first time since yes. I was a teenager <laughs> the podcasters the Holy Grail yeah, yeah my god that was like one of my favorite I remember seeing that movie in the theater with my friends and like yeah, like, dude. like hurting from laughing so hard my and fucking I dad too long. Did to you, see it. <laughs> did, you, did you find that it held up, like, watching it again? Absolutely, yes. 100% I mean, I found that yes. it was, like, it, it was pretty good. Like, it wasn't as funny as I remembered. But, save for every scene with Paul Giamatti is yes, so Giamatti. fucking good. And he is... The scene in the credits, the credit sequence at the end where they're interviewing him on the street and he's, like, a manager of a supermarket now yeah. is... <laughs> kills me it fucking so kills fucking me good yeah paul giamatti is an absolute star in this and like i've even heard like there's like a, a story that goes around about how like it's his first big break and he's really nervous to be with howard stern because howard stern is such a big name at that point and like stern goes up to him he's like you're gonna be a fucking star kid and it's like <laughs> paul giamatti <laughs> 
Well, he is. He is a star now. <laughs> he is a star. Absolutely, yes. He's, um, a, he's, a, he's a damn sex symbol now. Uh, Brynn, <laughs> did you ever see uh, Private Parts? No, I've never seen it. I would really, I would recommend it. It's, I'm sure I mean, I'd it's like very it. 90s. And, oh, um, it's so 90s. I love 90s things. But you know what it is? It's, it's something that comes up a lot on the show, which is uh, like good biopics. And it's one of the rare ones oh, that yeah. actually works because he doesn't take himself too seriously. It kind of has some of that um, uh, walk hard sort of energy to it where it is at <laughs> times like making fun of the tropes of the biopic. Like he, um, when he goes to college, he jumps from being a kid actor to being himself. So it's like him himself, like as like this gigantic big bird man, just like walking around with all these actual college kids. It's so weird that he plays himself in this movie. He does a great job. Everybody plays themselves, basically. I think his wife is the only one who's an actor. But it's like at the height of his fame, too. So there's not even like, is there even like a, oh, no, I'm doing too much drugs and I have to like refine myself moment in the movie? No, (laughs) It's just like, now I'm awesome. It's just like, I mean, there's some... There's some tension with his wife about like yeah. you know how horny he is for porn stars on his <laughs> on his radio show. But yeah, I was uh, say, the, the, his version of that is like he makes a joke about them having a miscarriage, and then she's like, "You went too far," and he's like, "I'm sorry." And that's it. And that's it. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. It's it's resolved. It's, it's totally resolved. <laughs> but like the, I mean, like the real like plot of the movie is his war with uh, NBC Radio. Yes, absolutely. That's the meat of it. And, and like, yeah, like the NBC execs, like the man who wants to have, you know, says, oh, you can't have hot lesbians on your show. It's not allowed. He's like, like hell I can. And he's just like, we'll see about that. <laughs> it is very funny how much of it is devoted to that particular... He's got a long career with, like, a lot of different stuff in it, but so much of it is taken up by, like, yo, I hate NBC, fuck these assholes. Because <laughs> I think he had just finished, uh, like, he'd just gotten fired at that point and was, like, just done with that whole saga of his life and had moved on to... He was on K-Rock at this point. Um, okay. But, yeah, absolutely gem it's of a, a it's movie. It's a classic slobs versus snobs narrative. Yes, oh, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, um, what is that? Revenge of the Nerds? Caddyshack. You know, Caddyshack, yeah, kind of, sure. kind of thing. Back to school. And do they uh, win at the end, I guess? But of he's course. Like, the slobs yeah. must always triumph. <laughs> we always do. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely incredible. Uh, very much holds up for me. Um, Paul Giamatti's incredible. But the, you know what was interesting, too, that I didn't realize is uh, a woman director. Oh right, it's yeah, um, uh, Betty Thomas. Be- yeah, Betty Thomas. Betty Thomas of uh, of the Brady Bunch movie and Doctor Doolittle <laughs> and Alvin and the Chipmunks of the Squeakquel. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Uh, Be- Betty Thomas did the Squeakquel. <laughs> Damn, that's awesome, dude. The Brady Bunch movie. When I was a kid, that was the funniest thing. Was I it don't really? Know, I don't know if it holds up because I haven't seen it since I was under like pre-high school but uh-huh. the first one and the second one i loved so much i probably watched them like five or six times each yeah i don't know that i ever saw it it's not the original it can't be the original no kids, no no right? it <laughs> is it is it is a comedy movie where it's the brady bunch but if they were in modern day got it got it got it but so they are themselves still like yeah they still act like it's like the the 60s or 70s or whatever right but everyone okay. around them is like a they're 90s just, person they're just very wholesome and they don't under like for some reason it's never explained there's no more like moving parts to the plot than they're just a wholesome family that is somehow in the 90s right and like 
there's more crime, I guess, and more free sex and drugs of in course. the 90s. So they're like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Wow. <laughs> uh, and then the, and in the sequel, they go to Hawaii. <laughs> I always thought that would be a good... Um, they get laid. That's like a good uh, uh, premise for like pretty much any adaptation of an old sitcom, right? Like, Just do it now do it now but they are themselves still like I, I always thought that would be a great thing to do with the Flintstones if like the Flintstones <laughs> move to your block and it's like a regular suburban neighborhood and then like the actual old Flintstones house is just in the middle of it <laughs> it's all rocks and they have to yeah, like yeah, and they still have all the, the dinosaur appliances and stuff and like but their neighbors are all regular people with like regular still using mowers. a pelican as a toilet <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> shitting in a bird's mouth yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll get there later when we get to the movie we watched this week. Uh, yeah, uh, Bryn, what did, what did you watch this week aside from the... Uh, um, the... I watched a couple of things, um, but the only thing that's coming to mind right now was uh, a two and a half hour long documentary about Billie Eilish. Oh, um, okay. Which came out this week, um, which is fascinating. It's really? one of the weirdest, like, music documentaries i've ever seen because it like it begins and they haven't recorded their like album yet so they're like the entire documentary is like cell phone footage and Mm -hmm. like the her brother had the wherewithal to like have a gopro in their like room where they're recording so it's just a 15 year old girl and her like 20 year old brother like sitting on a bed and writing and like arguing and just like having fun and being kids Mm -hmm. and then as the movie goes on like more and more people they like talk to interscope and interscope is interested in this album they're writing and then like people start showing up to their bedroom and like (laughs) Billy is just this child, like this very, like no, like no, like performance training, no like media training, just this very raw personality who's like the, the, um, like the A&R guys from Interscope come to her house and they're like, okay, show us a song. And they sing a song and they're like, yeah, that's kind of a cheesy beat. And she's like, well, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just like, it's very strange. And then as the thing goes on, they get like better and better cameras and right. like, they're like, Oh, let's, you know, keep documenting this. Uh, yeah. This might become a real movie at some point. So let's like get something that actually looks okay. Right. And then, so you have her like meeting her heroes, which is like Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande. And she's just like uh-huh. constantly weeping because <laughs> she's meeting like <laughs> celebrities. She meets Orlando Bloom, but like doesn't realize it's him. Cause she's like, he's just normal looking. Yeah. He doesn't um, have long blonde hair and a bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> he's not Legolas or whatever. And then she like realizes that. And, um, so it's this very strange and intimate portrait of like a pretty normal person becoming insanely famous mm-hmm. um, and then having and then being really opinionated about her art. And like they they do like one music video and she's just like, he's like, I'm directing the next one. I can't handle like other people directing. <laughs> uh, so she just like starts directing her own videos. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really weird. Um, but. I uh, wasn't really expecting it to be so, I guess, I guess, uh, I don't, I guess, unfiltered, I guess, is the Rolling Stone word. Uh, It just seems like there's there's a lot of stuff in it that she might be embarrassed about, Uh (laughs) Um, but it's it's in the movie, and I don't know, I've never really um, seen one like that. 
it kind of reminds me of something I do want to watch for this at some point. Um, uh, What's up, Fat Lip, which is the little short documentary that Spike Jones made about Fat Lip from the Far Side. Oh yeah, and it's like them as they're filming the music video for um, uh, the song What's Up, Fat Lip, and it's just all them chilling on set, like as they're getting ready to shoot different stuff. And like, do you ever see the video for that? It's all like kind of like gorilla footage. I was obsessed with that song and video when it came out, dude. So, did you ever see the little documentary? No, I never did, but, like, I loved that song because it was, like, in, the, in an era of rap music where, like, everything was very, like, flashy and, like, yeah, mm-hmm. cool or whatever, and, like, the whole point of that song is, like, what a fucking loser he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah, just, it's like, literally a nerd being no a one likes, you know, and, like, in, in the sort of, like, P. Diddy era of, like, wearing shiny suits and, like, having mm-hmm. champagne or whatever. Dude, you'll love the documentary then because it's all like him talking about what a loser he is at that point in his life, and he's like, "Yeah, like girls don't like me." <laughs> like, yeah, it's all him friends, just like, chilling yeah. with Spike and like being like, "Yeah, man, like it's not far. Like I'm not riding the bus yet, but it's not far. <laughs> like I might be riding the bus pretty soon." <laughs> and like, there's a great scene where like, so there's the shot in the video where like the two kids like jump him for his bike and he and they ride off with it. Those two kids in real life are like they're like yeah we'll be in your video cool man that's awesome and then they're like so yeah do you like do you know like puff daddy he's like yeah we've like met a couple times and they're like yo do you think you can get us puff daddy's signature <laughs> and he's like yeah man i could i could get you puff daddy's signature <laughs> it is really weird uh this movie because there's a lot of stuff about uh her dealing with like fan i think what's interesting about it as a movie is that it, it kind of is um a movie about alienation, like mm-hmm. as she like, be, you know, she has this like family and like this really tight knit, like, you know, home life. She's homeschooled. Right. They're both homeschooled their whole life. Like me. And, um, she, as it kind of goes, she's just sort of like away from her friends constantly, but more and more people like want to like freak out and cry whenever they see her. So she starts putting all this pressure on herself to like, perform and like anytime anything goes wrong she just like breaks down crying because she's 16 years old or whatever right um and so it becomes this weird thing where all she has is like her phone and she's just like like constantly trying to get her boyfriend to pay attention to her who's like was she was dating before she was famous at all and he just doesn't care anymore or something um and then, just, <laughs> and then, like, she breaks up with him because she's not, he's like, never calls her back. Um, so she just yeah. becomes, like, more and more lonely. Um, she always seems like very, like, the few appearances, I, I'm not super familiar with, like, her in general, but, like, the few appearances I've seen of her talking, like, she seems very, like, like aloof and, like, uh, like, disconnected a lot of the time. And I wonder if that's, like, part of what happens in, over the course of the movie. Maybe. Uh, it, she's, she's very she doesn't have she doesn't seem to have many other she just is the one personality you know Mm -hmm. she's just like if she's sad it's i guess i guess the thing about it is is like i think a lot of celebrities become celebrities and then say that way and like Billie eilish is in this moment where she's like not a celebrity in her mind yet like Mm -hmm. she's you know one she won like every grammy and she's one of the biggest superstars in the world um but is a is a kid and yeah. doesn't really have a sense of herself or like <laughs> her life uh and it's weird and voyeuristic <laughs> and odd to watch a two and a half hour movie about like this kid becoming this idol to people yeah it's kind of strange <laughs> i'm sure it'll end well they should call her billy idol 
<laughs> yeah, because she wants more, more, more <laughs> with a rebel yell. <laughs> and she hates when you leave your car on. <laughs> yeah, and one day she'll have a nice white wedding. <laughs> you ever see those, the, the ads they have? The, it was like one of de Blasio's like big things last year was like getting Billy Idol to do ads that you shouldn't idle your car. What? <laughs> it is like a classic de Blasio <laughs> bullshit idea. <laughs> That's, a, that's another bungler tunnel. from the debungler. <laughs> right when you're going into the Midtown Tunnel, there's a huge picture of Billy yeah. Idol. <laughs> and he's just like, listen, mate, if you, if, you, if you get out of your car, make sure to turn it off. <laughs> he's so old. Yeah. <laughs> he looks so fucking old. He looks old. Billy doesn't idol, and he, you're supposed to be like, oh, yeah. He looks old in The Wedding Singer, which was yeah, like exactly. 25 20, years 25 ago. Years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he looks really old in those commercials, which I now remember. Anyway, let's get into the movie we watched this week, which yes. was The Angry Birds Movie. <laughs> uh, we, Hitchcock week, Month is returning. Uh, for one more uh, vengeance, it's, it, with a, a, we did Hitchcock month, and uh, now we're, we took a break, and now we're doing one final Hitchcock One more, month. one more Hitchcock. Right, and uh, as we all know, he directed the 2016 family comedy, The Angry Birds Movie, in which yes. they drink piss. Um, <laughs> now, we're watching The Birds, um, yeah. starring Tippi Hedren, um, and this movie uh, is from 1963, and it's insane <laughs> it's wild uh, it's, a, it's so much better than any of the other ones that we watched <laughs> um so i had never seen this movie wow and jeremy you had also never seen this movie no i had seen it yeah oh, okay you'd seen it before I, I this is the one i'd never seen or of the ones jeremy picked um and will you'd definitely seen this movie yeah right? this is uh this is legitimately my favorite alfred hitchcock movie Okay, it's an interesting choice because lots of I feel like it gets overlooked in the best one conversation. It is because it is is it's I, I love it so much because it is so strangely, um, so different than anything else he ever did, but also so similar mm-hmm. in that yeah. like it is this like just bizarre like apocalypse movie. Yeah, um, but but also like all of his other movies, I think like and pro- probably even more pronounced than his other movies. Like it is a vehicle for the expression of his deeply peevish and sadistic <laughs> sexuality. I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say the big commonality between the other movies is that it is very much about how women suck. It's about how like yeah, women will bring about the end of the world. Basically, like, I mean, like yeah, the plot of this movie is that like, like the, the the introduction. Of a sort of vivacious, sexually available young woman to this uh, small community, or the world in general, the world at large. We don't even really know what's going on outside of Bodega Bay. But yes, like Tippi Hendren's character, by wanting to fuck this guy, pretty much inaugurates the end of the world. And what I love about the the, the movie is like, this is, like, I I almost view this movie as like, uh, like a proto Night of the Living Dead. Like and mm-hmm. I love I okay, love yeah. horror movies like that about like people trapped in like a house or like a small town that are, have this like you know keyhole glimpse or perspective on like the end of the world, and this is like as far as apocalypse movies go, absolutely the funniest way the world could end. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it's birds up there just start at least. killing. Okay, well let's let's start. Let's just do a quick recap of the movie because it's not that complicated. Yeah. You know, it is. It's like a it's like a Mayan calendar ending. You know, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like you always hear the like the the different worlds that ended in the Mayan calendar, and one of them was like eaten by jaguars. <laughs> Uh, so the movie begins with Tippy Hedren coming into a pet store to buy lovebirds. Uh, or no, no she's, pick she up, wants pick to buy a, a minor bird. Uh, minor bird, which whatever that is. Um, and then a man comes in and asks her if, if he can buy lovebirds, yeah. uh, thinking that she works there. Of, over the course of this conversation, you realize that he doesn't think she actually works there. He knows she doesn't, and he's fucking with her because he's, he's doing a strong lawyer. alpha PUA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he really is. He believes that she sh- he he heard about a case that involved her. She was on trial for doing a YouTube prank yeah. uh, <laughs> that went wrong and broke a window. And he thinks she should have been in jail for three years. So yeah. in as a lawyer, he took it upon himself to fuck with her because he thinks she got off easy. Yeah, which by the way, incredible, <laughs> incredible twist of brain going on here where like he is absolutely the one getting pranked in this scene, but he like ends up being like, Haha, I fucking pranked you, you dumb bitch. I don't fucking <laughs> care about lovebirds. And she's like, I was making up all this stuff about lovebirds. Clearly I'm the one who was having fun here. <laughs> Yeah, it's really odd, and I don't understand. I feel like this is never really addressed, and I was hoping one of you guys would be able to help me understand what is she, why why is she a prankster? Oh, she's like a socialite. A she rich, seems like she's yeah, like she's a, a party rich, girl. Yeah, she's a rich party girl. Like her dad owns like a chain of newspapers, and she's got a cool yeah. car, and like wears nice clothes, and she's just fun, single, ready to mingle, and she's just <laughs> she's out to have fun. And you know, do like you said, YouTube pranks, uh, social yeah, experiment, <laughs> social experiment, breaking a window. Yeah, but yeah, like like she's 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 Jumping in the gossip column in Rome. Yeah, <laughs> she's in the gossip column. She's this like you know like like hot it girl. Yeah, which seemingly everybody in the world reads because even like the dude's mother later on is like she was naked in that fucking fountain in Rome. <laughs> this bitch. So she's basically Paris Hilton. Yes, yeah, or, yeah, 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 nineteen sixty-three, something. Yeah, pretty equivalent of. Okay, that's I. I kind of put that together, but I didn't understand why she would be doing pranks. But I guess it's just because there's nothing better to do in ninety six. She's doing pranks because she's an unattached woman, and like that is what this movie is terrified of, and like that is the I agent see. of the end of the world. Is that she's right. just like hot, <laughs> sexually available <laughs> woman, but she's not tied down by like family, marriage, or you know, a man. Right. Yeah, so and worse yet, she has a distinct personality that has like traits. And yeah, no, like, like terrifying. Which <laughs> is bad. Don't you don't want that? L- yeah, life has not been wrung out of her like a dish rag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she's a she's a chaos dragon. She's a she yeah. She, she, she is female chaos. She is a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. I get where we're going. So uh, for whatever, oh, I someone has to. T- take me to bodega bay how do we get there well okay so like so she she just she decides that like because you know this 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 sort of swaggy lawyer does alpha pua to her and he negs her and says <laughs> yeah. hey i think you should have gone to jail for, for three years but like you know she's obviously <laughs> into him and she's like oh this man I, oh like you know whatever yeah but so it's like to you know uh, to sort of get back at him, but also to continue their flirtation, she takes it upon herself to uh, get the lovebirds that he was trying to get for his sister and surprise him by, like, leaving him a note 
uh, outside his apartment. And then, like, she gets up there, and then there's, like, a guy who's just like, oh, if you're looking for Mitch, like, you That's know, he right. went to Bodega Bay for the weekend. And she's like, oh, okay. Goes so every she, weekend. She I know dis- a lot about him. <laughs> <laughs> so, she, so she decides to take her cool convertible, drive up the California coast to the town that invented bodegas. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Bodega Bay. And, and she, so like a psycho, drives hours away, apparently, and then yeah. goes to this small town and... Stops at the nice corner store. It's it's basically like uh, I don't know Northern California yeah, Mayberry. Yeah, uh, it's, it's shockingly not a bodega. <laughs> right, it's, it's, it's a, a general it's a, store. It's a Regular general store. store. You cannot get a chopped cheese there. And, yeah, you he, know, this was the sixties. The guy does not make any jokes about the change amount. He doesn't say like that'll be one hundred dollars. Nothing like that. No, no, no fun energy from this um, guy. No. He's just like a big doofus who's like, oh, you want to know where this guy who you barely know anything about lives? Over there. Yeah, See yeah, that I house know a right lot there? About him. <laughs> what I think is cool. Like the, the interesting thing to note here is that like upon her arrival to Bodega Bay and like the guy at the general store, the guy she rents the boat from. It is immediately apparent that, like, you know, she she breezes in from San Francisco and she's got this, like, gorgeous fur coat and she's just, like, the, 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 the height of fashion <laughs> and sort of cosmopolitan glamour and, you know, sexiness. Everyone in this town immediately is, like, both repulsed and, like, totally, like, obsessed with her. Like, they're, like, yeah. they're terrified <laughs> of her, but also, like, really, uh, like, sprung as well uh-huh. <laughs> oh, for sure <laughs> like they're very wary of her like they don't know what to make like they're very like afraid of her and i also really like the guy who knows everything about mitch because it's a small town he's like oh well if you want to talk about mitch uh just go up the block and talk to his ex <laughs> <laughs> hot yeah. woman rolled into town why don't you go talk to his ex i'm sure that'll help him out <laughs> so she does and she goes talks to annie hathaway who uh is now Hathaway. a school teacher because she moved to the town to be with Mitch. Yeah. And then he broke up with her because of his insane mom, which we'll get into. <laughs> and then she just, I'm going favorite- to stick around this town and be a school teacher in like yeah. a town of 300 people that like is only just reminds me of this guy that like, you know, <laughs> yeah, dumped I just, me. I just fell in love with this disgusting bay. <laughs> Shocking behavior. But probably my favorite character in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she just seems really chill and like. Uh, just a lady who likes to yeah, hang, hang out. Yeah, she's a good hang. Yeah, it seems like a real person who had to hang out with. Yeah, she like um, pours wine for her. Have a she cigarette gets and nice. yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, like hot girl shit. <laughs> Very hot girl shit. So Anne Hathaway, that's her name, right? It's Anne Hathaway. Anne Hayworth. Ha- Hayworth. Excuse me. Um, I was. That's Rita Hayworth. Is okay. Yeah, Anne Hayworth. Um, so Anne Hayworth. Uh, is his ex-girlfriend and she's like oh you want to know some stuff and also doesn't seem to be like no one thinks she could be there for anything but totally normal reasons probably because he's a young bachelor on the island and she's a very hot lady so she's like yeah he lives over there her her, his sister's name is kathy um so the best thing you could do i guess (laughs) if you want it to be a surprise uh, cause she's like, I don't want to just go in the front door. I don't want to drive around and go in the front door. I want to sneak in and, and yeah, surprise she's them. She's asking really suspicious questions yeah. about this guy that nobody is like, she's like, she's like, yeah. So the sister, like, is she around? The doormat? Is she, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, what kind of schedule do they keep? Would is they there be there right rock? now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so she, she's like, well, if you want to sneak in, you can probably just take a boat across the way, the bay and, uh, just sneak in through the back. And so she does that. She gets on the 
what looks like a rowboat, but is a has a little motor on it, and Tiny then zo- zooms over there with the lovebirds, and then sneaks into their house, puts them on the table, doesn't to actually it's rips another up classic. The note. It's another classic Melanie Phillips prank. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's up, guys? <laughs> Melanie Phillips here. Yeah, We're big doing a soy face on the thumbnail, being like, "Left birds in living room." <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she leaves the birds in the living room and then leaves and then the she's hiding guy sucked me off <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, as she's leaving uh, just like she she drives like maybe 50 feet out and then stays there and then watches him Mitch go into the house and find him and she's like haha I got him got his ass and then uh, he immediately sees her and it's like hey (laughs) what's that boat flouting in the river and then drives all the way around to to where she came from and catches her and he's like what the fuck are you doing but before he can catch her Mm -hmm. a seagull attacks her and fucking (laughs) rips her head open and she's bleeding and he's like oh shit are you okay the use of blood in this movie, especially Tippi Hendren's blood, is of course, like must be understood as the cinematic stand-in, the visual metaphor for the sex act. Of course. <laughs> like like that that is kind of like, you know, what I have my own theories on what the birds in this movie represent. Well, we can get into that, but like it's very okay. important that, that the first bird attack is when she's like chugging across the bay just thinking how, how horny she is for this guy, Mitch, because they've culminated now. Their, like, classic romantic flirtation is just, it's teasing the other party and doing pranks to them. I mean, if yeah, you're like, nor- like this, is, this is classic romance and flirtation. Normal dating. Normal no. dating stuff where you just give people gifts they don't want. You bring people uh, birds. You, you bring, bring them, them responsibilities. Them. Yeah. <laughs> you leave them things they need to feed and take care of and take to the vet. Yes. Uh, terrible gift. Never get me a bird. I will throw them away. Uh, <laughs> I will kill the bird. <laughs> I will immediately kill it and eat it, probably. Um, so he has to take care of her. Um, and then I guess they go back to um, they go back to the house. At this point, yeah. They, like, no, then she like uh, she like fucks off for a second. She's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go back to the place that I'm staying at, and I'll see you later for dinner, maybe." Yeah, and then the she goes back to Anne Hayworth's house and is like, "Hey, can I stay with you for a bit?" <laughs> yeah, so like he, she goes over to to Mitch's house for dinner, and then okay, like so like here's another. Like, we, we we'll, we'll get into Lydia the mother in a second, but like the the, the engine of the here of the Lovebirds is that he wants to get a gift for his sister. Kathy, played by Nancy Cartwright, and I think this is her first role as like a child mm-hmm. actor, but you She's may remember amazing. her from such films as Alien and the 70s remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Wait, is she and- Lambert in Alien? Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> she's amazing in this movie. Yeah, no, and she's great. And like you can see her like in especially towards the end like she like as an actor gets um like panic. <laughs> <laughs> like she, yeah. she captures, be like, like you know, crying and being afraid really well. Especially and when you see she a lot has of that to, in Alien. Especially when she has to like throw up at, at like near yeah. the end of the movie, she looks like she's about to die. Okay, but but here's here's another big question about this movie: Why is Mitch's younger sister twenty years younger than him? Yeah, and his it's, mother it's is like pretty family old, dynamic. and like yeah, it's it's very it's hard to figure out like what the what the math is there like <laughs> yeah it's, 
That they, it's, I, I thought they were playing a little trick on you at first because I thought he was lying about his sister. And, you know, there's a moment where she's like, oh, Mrs. his last name. And it's like they are implying that he's married or something. And then right. you show up and it's like, oh, no, he lives with his mom who's like basically looks like 10 years older than Tippi Hedren with gray yeah. hair. And then yeah. like. It's like, oh, but that's not his wife. And he calls her dear and like He calls her darling. He calls his mother yeah. darling. <laughs> and like I and said, then, like she she doesn't like it's very odd because she has gray hair, but she has these like her lips are in this like striking red. She's wearing this like yeah. very like 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 like, you know, powerful, like, you know, red lipstick color. And she has these absolutely piercing blue eyes. And like mm-hmm. this mother character, Lydia is an even more frightening movie mother than Norman Bates's mom, and like, and <laughs> yeah. like, and, and the the mothers of the Hitchcock universe, and it's like, it like she see like she has these piercing blue eyes, and then it's just like you know, hello mother, this is Melanie Phillips or whatever, and you can just see her like like the like Terminator vision. She's just like <laughs> slut, like, slut, fuck spotted, this bitch, destroy, fuck this destroy. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and then uh, so they eventually get to dinner. And um, they have, they have dinner. God, I, I've complete. I usually take notes on this stuff, and I did not. And I, <laughs> I watched it today, and I can't remember what the fuck happens in order. Um, so I'm sorry about that. But they do have. Oh yeah, the dinner. the hens are refusing to eat at this point. Yeah, oh, so, like, yes. there's, there's these intimations that, like, you know, I mean, like the the first like, you know indication you get is like the gull who dive bombs Tippy Hendren, like when she's crossing right. the bay, and then like you know it's sort of a throwaway line at dinner. The mom is calling the guy who sold her chicken feed because she's like, oh, my chickens aren't eating. There's something up with the feed. So you're like, this like you know like little little indications that something is is not right. And that, like, something was not right with these birds. And, you know, she talks to Mitch about, like, she's read the gossip pages. This girl jumped naked into a fountain in Rome. And she says to Mitch, I suppose I'm just naturally curious about a girl like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, there's uh-huh. this very, she's this very cold woman. And, like, and, and obviously, like, she is deeply threatened because, like, you know, her husband had died not too long ago. And, like I said, she has this weird kind of semi-romantic relationship with her adult son. Yeah. And, like, it is... Tippi Hendren's character is like this threat to her and the threat to the town of Bodega Bay itself. And it's just like her arrival coincides with the the bird apocalypse beginning to happen. And it's just like, it's her threat of like displacing her role as like mother slash lover to her adult son. (laughs) Right. And And she talks to Annie about this and uh, the night after they have dinner and um, Annie is sort of just like, yeah, she didn't like me because she I, I would have taken him away from her. And like Tippy's sort of trying to say like uh, you know, so she's just a jealous mother and very protective. And she's like not exactly. It's not just like she doesn't not just want doesn't want to leave like Mitch. It's like she doesn't want to she's afraid of being alone at all. Um uh, I can't remember exactly like the distinction she's trying to make there, but it's like it's like, pretty clear what she's getting at, though, is, yeah. like, it's it's a little more than, like, a mom role here. Like, it's uh, it's hard <laughs> to really, like, put words to it without saying, like, that they're fucking, but, like, you know, like, it's definitely a little, it's a little more than what you, you know, what you'd expect. Because, like, she has a daughter. It's not like she's going to be alone in the house. It's, yeah, like, yeah. pretty clear that it's, like, it's, no, but alone in a different way. It's that, it's that, it's that Mitch is fulfilling, like, a husband role as well as a son yeah, role for her. Exactly. Um. And, Which as is the, and like, the thing is, like, as the courtship between Mitch and Melanie progresses, and she 
excuse me, sticks around for a little bit longer. She goes to Kathy's birthday party the next day, which is when the first major bird attack happens. But like right. the longer the, their courtship is allowed to continue and like begins to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, uh, percolate or, or simmer. <laughs> Starts the, to the, get the, hot. Yeah, the worse the bird attacks get. And like I, yeah. I sort of read this movie is that like, you know, like what, 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 what are the birds? Like what is causing the birds to do the bird apocalypse? And I think that like, the birds are a like psychic manifestation of Lydia's fear and hatred of other women, mm-hmm. and like and like and like the like the the fear of like the the threat in which like of, of like what female sexuality represents to like to her position as like this a mother with like a weird you know psychosexual Aww. fixation on her own son and like the birds at every. Uh, like in, in every way, like like intercede to break up up, up and apart Mitch and Melanie, and to specifically right. punish Melanie for existing and being like sexy and like her that her son is into and wants to you know <laughs> wants to fuck basically. Right. Yeah. So they're at the party, and then the birds attack, and this is the first time you start to see like the special effects in the movie, and the special mm. effects which are, are great. I, I really love so the way they insane. Look. Yeah. There's so well, much beautiful matte painting in this movie, and then like the proto green screen of like laying laying over birds over like another I don't quite know how they like they, it's a film technique where like you shoot like film like multiple film exposures over each other and like and then sort right. of meld them together it's like you have it's not it wasn't blue screen which existed yeah. I believe but like uh, it's some sort of other thing where they you just expose the birds and then lay that over the different exposure um, and then you run that through a machine that films the multiple exposures onto a single you know right. s- like s- strip of film so it looks th- that I think looks the worst but there's also apparently robot birds like $200,000 worth of robot birds in this movie <laughs> um, and I don't know which ones they were but they look amazing <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah whatever they are they're great because some <laughs> of those birds are like on the kids I think those are the robot okay. birds. We got to talk about this because, like, the, the, this this movie does contain probably one of my absolute favorite, like, you know, one perfect shot, like, images from any <laughs> movie ever. Oh, and it's at the birthday party scene when all the birds are attacking the kids and they're all scre- sc- screaming and running inside. <laughs> and then there's just this one shot of this little girl <laughs> lying face down on the yeah. ground with a bird just pecking at her. And I'm sorry. <laughs> it, I, I, like, it... It is so funny to me. Like all the scenes in this movie of children being savaged by birds are are yeah. so fucking funny to me. I mean, like, I, well, it makes the it like informs the later scenes too because like once you've seen the one bird pecking and then like there's the later scene where you're supposed to be really intimidated by all the birds on the jungle gym and you're just like, oh yeah, hell yeah, dude. Get the kids. <laughs> yeah. If it's going to be more of that. (laughs) So it's really interesting because uh, having never seen this movie. Okay. Also, we should mention this movie has no music. Mm-hmm. Um, at all. There's no score whatsoever. It's but it entire- has excellent sound design. Yeah, which is all done with like synthesizers, of which was very weird for the time because it's the 60, it's the 60s. Uh, I think Bernard Herrmann um, did the, the not the, sc- the score, but uh, he did the sound design, the famous movie composer. Right, and the birds sound like a, like a, like a cat sped up or something. Like it's like this very eerie and weird it's very menacing yeah it's an electrical sound but it sounds like a yeah a gross bug cat or something and yeah. uh but the first time you see at the birthday party you see the birds and they attack it wasn't 
scary at all. It's like it it almost felt and I was like, oh, did this movie not age very well? But then the next thing that happens is uh the Lydia mother goes to see her friend um and you go into his room and his eyes are eaten out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was such a death. that's such a good example of the way the movie uses an absence of sound to create yeah. these scares that like a jump cut that would like normally be um, you know heightened or sort of cheating by like you know hitting you with this like shrieking sound as yeah. the cut happens. Yes, but when like Lydia goes to see the chicken feed guy to like check in on him, like the, the progression of her like entering the house realizing that something is amiss, going down the hallway into the bedroom, and then in each cut revealing uh, like an, another image of like shocking bird horror, and yeah. then cutting closer and closer <laughs> to seeing this man on the floor with his eyes pecked out. Like, yeah. like, like, like black holes and just blood all over his face. And yeah. it's totally silent. And you just see a yeah. reaction then coming out of the house. And it's so effective, like like the, the the setup of that scare, which I imagine for 1963 was like about as gory as a movie could possibly imagine, like being. <laughs> yeah, because this is late stage Hitchcock. This is like his one of his last five films, I think. Um, yeah. And most people don't really remember Frenzy. I think or Frenzy like some is of the- extremely disturbing and violent. It was like his, <laughs> his last movie ever made, and his. It, like for everyone who's like, oh, Hitchcock got all these scares and he didn't show you blood or like you know murders <laughs> on screens. Like watch Frenzy because it is really explicit and like and terrifying and like really yeah. graphic. So he's going. This is like where he's going. Like he goes real yeah. hard. And that this that scene was like, oh, okay, maybe it did did age well because like one of the things about that shot is like she turns the corner. And then it cuts to just like this tableau of like dead birds around him and and you see like sort of his whole body. And then before you really take in what you're looking at, because it's scary already because he's got black holes instead of eyes. And then right like as soon as you process that, it cuts like really close into his fucking face. And so you just see these eyes eaten out and then yeah. right back to her. And so but again, no like no sting. No ah. You know, nothing yeah, to like exactly. right. date it. It's just like, look, it's rotten.com, really close. And then you go, you're out. Um, really fucked up. Uh, and that's very, very affecting. So now she's sort of starting to feel like, okay, this is happening. There's birds eating everybody. And then we get the nice, fun scene. The Twilight Zone episode where they're in the diner. I love this part of the movie. I <laughs> yes, love this yeah, part yeah. of the movie because it introduces my favorite character in the movie, the which is the ornithologist. No, like oh, the, the, she's oh, great. Yeah. The old, who's to be some there? old lady who's like knows everything about birds and is like a huge <laughs> asshole about it. She's just yeah. like, oh, and you're expecting <laughs> like uh, there's definitely a difference between blackbirds and crows. They are of the different yeah. uh, genus uh, of something. Like she's given all the like the the, the Latin names for it. Yeah, it's just crows like, don't have morale. Reality, you're like, imposing ah, it on well, them. Actually, like to like everyone talking about the birds, and I, I love the line where she's just like, "It's simply ridiculous to think that birds would ever do something like this." Yeah, they would Bir- never fly together. Birds bring beauty to the world, and I always love that line because, like, that's kind the of how I feel about birds. <laughs> I think birds do bring beauty to the world. Yeah, I think they're, they're awesome. very cool. I love them. What's incredible though is that like when you're watching that scene and there's an ornithologist there, you're like, oh well, this must be related, and then it's not at all. <laughs> it's nothing to do with the rest of the movie. Yeah, I had a um, sort of mid twenties um, career switch. 
uh, I was working in film and television and I hated it so much that I applied to a bunch of different colleges to re-go to college because I knew I wouldn't be able to make money in film. Uh, and one of the things I thought I wanted to do was ornithology. <laughs> mm, nice. Um, I was, there's a really beautiful uh, college up in, um, up in Ithaca that I wanted to go to. But, um, we, had, uh, we had an ornithologist on um, Two Minutes Late Night that time. We did uh, What Birds Do These Metal Singers Sound Like. Oh, yeah. I, I watched that episode. Like, Beautiful. We played him like the sound of the metal <laughs> singer, and then he would like play a bird sound. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great idea. But I, I, I she's so funny because she's like, it's not just that she's really smart about birds and is like interested in telling people like how to maybe survive or, you know, she's just there to tell people they're wrong about this thing that's happening. Because um, this is after Tippi Hedren uh, has to... Because she, she on the on this is the, it, um, the famous scene where the kids all run out of the school and they're attacked by crows and like the famous scene where they're all in the jungle gym and she looks over yeah. and there's just like hundreds of them there. That is really affecting too. I that's a great that was... that's a great setup where she's watching one in the air. She's just like having a cigarette and she just notices one like you know sort of floating around and then like the camera comes in and it lands and it lands and there's like you know dozens to, you know to hundreds yeah. of yeah, these crows. <laughs> but like, like oh shit. What I love about that scene and then we get another example of it in the diner scene because. It's like one of the, probably the most famous scare or scene from the birds is the scene where like all the all the, the children run away from like the crows that attack them. So she goes into the schoolhouse and of course Annie is there and they're 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 singing a, a school kid song like uh, yo honestly kind of goes but um, <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um, and then she's like you know we got to get out of here and they're like she's like kids it's like a fire drill like you know line up and just be silent but they're gonna run out of the thing because you know. If you're afraid there's a large mass of birds that are going to attack you and the children and your and, or your wards, they're like, "Quick, everybody, run outside!" <laughs> yeah, I don't I like so much of this the movie and like the fear of the birds and the panicky idiots in this town. Like, I just kept thinking of the Tyler the Creator tweet about like cyberbullying, where he's like, <laughs> yeah, just, "Just close your, your eyes." eyes. Turn it, just like and this movie, like, just stay inside, close the windows. Stay inside, it's not a birds. problem. <laughs> not, not a problem. Board just, up the windows if you they, must. Like, you're only at risk once you run outside. And then, like, again in the diner where they're like, everybody, the birds are attacking. Quick, everyone, out of, let's get out of here. Out of the diner, everybody. Yeah. So they Don't get... bring knives. Don't bring any of the weapons we have in here. So Lydia is scared, and she sends Sippy Hedren to go to the school, and that scene happens. And then they go to the diner. And then people in the diner, uh, she's, like, on the phone with her dad, who owns the newspaper or whatever. And she's like, oh, yeah, they're just attacking us all the time. Yeah, you're not going to believe uh, this, Dad. Yeah. I got a big scoop for you. And, uh, and that's when the ornithologist overhears that. And she's like, that's not possible. What you saw didn't happen, basically. And then they have this big argument. There's a crazy old man who's like an end times guy who's like, the end of the world is happening. It's it's the end. End is nigh. And then they're like, shut up. <laughs> um, you fucking idiot. <laughs> I also really love the same thing to the ornithologist. Basically. I also really love, like, we don't care. <laughs> I also really love in the diner scene. There's like just one drunk at the bar and he's like, birds i think we should just kill all of them Disgusting <laughs> yeah. animal. i think we should just shoot all the birds and then of course the yeah. ornithologist lady is like um well actually there are over five trillion birds in the world so good luck oh, yeah. with that you could yeah, never there aren't ever enough bullets in the world yeah. <laughs> yeah it's impossible to kill all the birds if this w- if what was really happening is happening you're fucked is what she says basically and um so uh it just starts happening again uh and then Oh, oh! There, there! A guy is filling his car up with gas. He gets p- 
<laughs> poked in the Dive head bombed, immediately yeah. collapses, spraying <laughs> gas everywhere. And so like, yeah, and like, like the like, pump comes out and like the people run over to help him, but nobody fucking notices or cares about the fact that gas is just spilling <laughs> everywhere and just like rolling downhill. They're trying to help this guy. Nobody deals with the gas. And then, like, you know, like uh, it, like all the gas just like, you know, uh, just sort of like uh, flows downward down the, yeah. to some fucking other idiot who gets out of his car and is just immediately letting up the stogie. And they're like, no, no, you idiot. And like, of course, it blows up. And then like, just like within 30 seconds, this town is on fire because of how fucking dumb all these people right. are. It's, it's great. My, in my, I think, like second favorite shot in the movie, uh, he blows up and then you immediately cut yes. to the some sort of it almost looks tilt shifted but I, I know it couldn't possibly be it must be a miniature or something but it looks really good um it's just this like perfect shot of the entire town with this like big long line of fire down yeah, the middle trail of, it. of gasoline on fire yeah <laughs> and then and then slowly like gulls come into the into the shot yeah and I, I, like, I love that let's shot go, so motherfuckers. much <laughs> incredible <laughs> um, and then they attack and then that's the famous scene where everybody's just mayhem shit is on yeah. fire uh, the firefighters come but they're getting pecked by seagulls and they're <laughs> swinging their fire hoses everywhere and then uh, Tippy Hedren rushes into a uh, phone booth and so she, now she's surrounded by glass and like some guys all f- full of blood and banging on the on the on the walls of the phone booth and uh, yeah and then and then the Goals break the thing <laughs> and they're like, we're going to come at you. And they break the glass open. And then finally Mitch comes to the rescue and brings her back in the diner. And that sequence is so cool. Like it's still it's so really rocks. <laughs> I have to say. I just love like any like in any disaster or horror movie or whatever. I just love like panicky idiots like losing their shit and causing a mm-hmm. disaster. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's yeah. good. It's, it's always great, happen. but like, to see it at scale is so special. You don't really see that nearly enough. What you mean, like, uh, like just like a big amount of it? You know, like it's always like right. a couple of people here and there. Like seeing like the whole town just go haywire is just fantastic. Yeah, it really works. And so they run back into the restaurant, and then they see all the women who smartly stayed inside the fucking cafe um, <laughs> hu- <laughs> huddled in a hallway, and. Uh, the ornithologist you see like her profile being like fuck you guys don't say anything (laughs) 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 and then uh (laughs) and then they're like okay this is happening everybody get inside or leave the town or whatever and then you (laughs) and then you get um you get the end of signs basically they they are they go to their home and start boarding everything up um and they're like, okay, we're going to be fine as long as we just don't let them break the windows. Yeah. Um, and so they board up the entire house, and now they're just, like, chilling in the house. And then what happens? Well, the birds mm-hmm. um, begin to, like, you know, Night of Living Dead style, just, like, you know, like, mass around the house and, like, attack yeah, the, uh, the boards on the, the window. Door, and like, pe- literally like... pecking through the doors <laughs> and uh, windows of the house. And it's just, right. like, and then, like, the power goes out and it's, like, lit by candlelight. And it's, like, and Hitchcock starts using all these, like, extreme angles and, like, ab- from above or below to, like, you know, like, it becomes this very, like, uh, a beautiful, beautiful sequence of them trapped in this house. Yeah, incredible stuff in this part. Although I will say this is the one time where 
in this sequence, the the fact that they're birds becomes really a problem for me. Like their little beaks, like <laughs> yeah, coming. the beaks sticking through it's the so holes. Funny. It's kind of ridiculous. Really <laughs> it just reminds me of uh, Finding Nemo with all the little seagulls. Say, yeah. They're like mine, mine. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but this sequence is really well done. And uh, but it's funny because there's a a moment like a calm before the storm where they start to realize they like. I love the idea that they like stop and then regather and rest and then. Like the movie's never really clear about what triggers it like logistically, but you mm-hmm. have this sense that like there will be a period of rest and you can sort of like reconfigure what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's going to be whenever the two of them like start to feel okay with right. each other. This again. is the They're sequence like, hey, where they, maybe we can make out or something. <laughs> so no, like, they do. They kiss really hard in this scene, but right before they, they, the yeah, birds attack. Like, okay. So this is important. Like, 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 so, so, so Mitch and Melanie kiss for the first time. And then we get, like, the actual, like, climax of the movie. Like, you know, like, the, the, the culmination is, like, when she goes upstairs and what has happened is that they've, like, basically they've been, like, through a hole in the roof. They have all, like, all the birds have gotten into this one room on, like, the second floor of the house. And yeah. I forget what reason she's like, goes in there to, like, check it out or whatever. She hears the, she hears the wings flapping. Yeah, so, like, she, she, she goes in the room and, like, shuts the door behind her and then realizes that there's, like, 300 fucking birds just in this room and then they all just, like, fucking just just mass attack her at the same Tearing time. And apart. she's just, like, yeah, like, they're trying to get out the door and she's, like, just falling down and, like, her, her beautiful, like, you know, sort of green uh, suit is getting all torn to shreds and there's, like, blood all over her. Yeah. And then, you know, Mitch has to come in and rescue her. But, well, like, this part... She also, like, right before she, like, falls down, she gives, like, the most sexual, like, yes. oh, Mitch. Like, it yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. sound like she's scared. It sounds like she's in sexual ecstasy. Yeah, and, exactly. and, then, and like, her being sort of, like, pop. ravaged by these birds. And then once again, like, her blood, I think, like, you know, becomes kind of a stand-in for, uh, like, the sex act. And the yeah. fact that, like, she had just kissed Mitch prior to this. And, like, this gets back. To, so, like, after she is, you know savagely attacked by like all these birds like she's saved but like her head is all bandaged up and at this point she is completely catatonic and yeah. i think this is very telling that this is when the birds stop attacking and like you know the last scene in the movie is like they all like gather themselves out and like get into the car and drive away from the house but like the entire house is covered and surrounded by these birds that are just sort of like just sitting there not yeah. doing anything, but there's like they're everywhere. Like if this bitch opens her fucking, <laughs> I swear to fucking God. One and, okay. word, bitch. She I'll finally stops up. with the yammering and the yammering. You know, Mitch kind of like carries her downstairs out of the house, like brings the car around, and they're like very silently, sort of like tiptoeing into the car, and like you know they drive away, and like you know Lydia sort of uh, embraces Melanie in the back of the car. She sort of yeah. like, you know, she like you know, cradles her in a way. And I think what's important here is that like the birds stop attacking because Mel- the threat that Melanie represents has been removed. She's She's been rendered, like I said, catatonic, like speechless yeah, yeah. by this horrible bird attack. And in that moment, Lydia assumes the role of mother to her. So Melanie yeah. becomes like the other daughter rather than the love interest for Mitch and Mitch be- is protecting her in the same way he protects Kathy, the, right. the younger sister. And it's this like moment of like these the sort of like yeah these psychosexual family bonds. Yeah, she's are, been declawed. Are, are she's reaffirmed no longer and then like and then re- remade in a way that Lydia finds acceptable. 
and I right. think like and it's very telling that like that's when the birds cease to cease their bird onslaught and the movie yeah. ends. <laughs> yeah. I love what there's they're clearly real birds and he's like walking and one of the birds just like bites him. <laughs> like, Fuck you. I, I'm watching you. Uh, but no, I think you're totally right. I mean like this is a movie about and, and you can kind of read that as either a happy ending or like a really disturbing ending. Like it could be like okay the mom is sort of like, I accept that this reconfiguration of the family, as long as I'm included and I'm sort of, you know, I'm the matriarch of this whole scenario. Or it could be like, I, as long as, you know, you are the daughter and me and Mitch are the parents, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and I'm going to like, as long as you become like this weird, you know, catatonic, uh, yeah, you're being dominated. Care. Like, yeah, as yeah. long as, as long as you're yeah. no longer this like vibrant sexual character who can like go out, who can do anything at any time, yeah, as long becomes, as you're predictable, she you know, at the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're, you're predictably under the thumb, like, you'll always need our help. So I feel better about you being here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and also, I think that was probably my favorite, like, visual shot in the movie where it's like, somehow a storm i guess it's a matte painting probably but like the storm is like it's completely dark but like over outside of the town it's sunny mm -hmm. so it, it looks like there's a storm cloud overhead but it's not very clear if it's night or day or what um yeah. that part looks and then it's just like every inch of like the land is bird somehow <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's 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 a great final image of the movie it's it's looks really incredible. Yeah. Really, it's really like leaving... haunting and like you said like it, it, it's just like it communicates this this sense of like, and we don't know what's happening in the outside world. Like we could assume that what's happening in Bodega Bay is happening everywhere, all over. Well, the they planet do have on the radio, right? You hear on the radio they say something about like that they're attacking somewhere else and that the military is going to have to intervene, right? Yeah, which is a very <laughs> funny. funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, yeah, it's, it's this very like like haunting, like like I said, like apocalyptic like like image and feeling Absolutely. that Hitchcock conveys in this movie in a way that like. It feels very modern now because, like, the apocalypse movies are like a, its whole genre, and I feel like this was really like the the proto like genesis of so many of those kinds of movies. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, there was disaster movies like there was Towering Inferno and and you know sort of like oh no ants big ants or whatever, <laughs> but like this one really feels like the world is changing because of it. Like the, the yeah, there's an absolutely. apocalypse happening. And like, um, like, like, like the, 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 the social order or normalcy is never restored at the end of this movie. Right. It's going to be changed forever and it might, you know, never go back. Right. Um, it's crazy. It's a really weird movie. <laughs> um, the fact that it's birds, I still don't really get why, <laughs> um, but it's fun. Yeah, there definitely is cool. that element of like they're birds. Like I, I think it works, and I think it's like <laughs> it, it's so funny and weird, and like also kind of scary because like I think the brilliance of it is that like birds are something that like you know everyone like is aware of, but like completely take for granted, mm -hmm. and like don't yeah, yeah. find threatening in any way. Like it'd be one thing if like every dog on the planet started attacking people. Like that's a right, fear yes. that like is a little bit more. Uh, like understandable or relatable or a fear that like it's more common whereas like nobody is even like aware of for the most part even when they see them much let alone like afraid of birds but it's like takes this great idea as like hey wait a second uh these things are everywhere and there's like a lot of them there's <laughs> yeah, a yeah. lot of them everywhere and like what are they up to <laughs> Dude, what uh, if there was a scene where they started like dropping eggs like bombs? That feels like a missed opportunity. 
and they're stinky and they get you all they just gross. like overhead like a whole flog of them just drop all their eggs I think all if there's once. one thing that I wish this movie did uh would is like kill somebody a little more viscerally like mm. I mean, you see some of, like, the big ones you see that are death. Because you see the uh, Annie dies, um, and you see, like, her aftermath. You see a lot of aftermath bodies, you know? Right. The, like, the one guy you see die, I guess you see, you, you assume he dies after the phone booth breaks. And, like, he's got, like, little marks all over him where he's, like, bleeding or whatever. But I wish they had sort of, like, you know, I guess this is a sort of, like, retrospect criticism of like what you might do now which is just like show like a sky burial type you know footage of like people <laughs> right, like yeah, eating yeah. the flesh off of like bones happening like a dozen <laughs> ravens just picking out my intestines yeah exactly because i think there's a sense that it's like wait what are they actually doing like they're just picking little pieces of your skin off and then like piranhas or something i i don't know but uh, it, you're right. It's it's kind of funny too. <laughs> like it's just this weird yeah. innocuous thing that what if it turned on you? Um, if there was like a if there was a modern remake of this, I I feel like there would be a scene where we would see them like hitting something with a lot of force and just like like dying instantly and just doing it over and over and over again. So you get a sense of like the impact of them hitting before we get into a lot of the action. Mm-hmm. You know co- what I mean? Something couple, like that uh, to like let you know what the power of it really is. A couple shots of like a raven just like digging right into a skull. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I was thinking just like a wall, just seeing them like hit like a door or oh, something I see like that. And like, like, you know, they like hit it and just attacks. fall down dead. Yeah. <laughs> or like you know i mean f- that swan hit fabio in the face and he had to get reconstructive oh, yeah, got surgery him up. just right, one yeah. swan um <laughs> i mean dude, oh what about airplanes i mean sully what if they just decided oh, yeah. to like oh, yeah, fly dude. into every turbine and every that would for sure be a modern version yeah. of this yes the hudson river's not that big they can't all right. land there <laughs> <laughs> it can't be a landing strip for everybody uh yeah but now i think I think that you're right, Will, that this is a movie that's, you know, really about, like, cultural anxiety. And, like, the birds don't really matter. It's just, yeah, like, exactly. a, fun te- a fun technical idea that it seemed like he wanted to try. Um, and then he probably, like, immediately thought of, like, ooh, eyes pecked out. That'll be crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so- some visual stuff. But it could be bugs. It could be dogs. It could be anything. Um it's just about like someone's world. And it's funny because Lydia isn't really like a main character. Like, she doesn't get a ton of screen time, you know? Like they have that one really nice conversation or one really compelling conversation where she's like, why do you have to like me? Like, what does it matter if, if I'm good or, you know? And she's like, well, because I want to be here, you know? Um, <laughs> but like mostly you don't really think of her as like the main character but she's sort of it's like a movie that is about her emotions and her world falling apart around her and her like using this like type of violence to get it back together um and i think it's uh i don't I mean, you I can read it, really it you good. can you can, i mean if you if you care to read into or like you know weave in like stories of the production of this movie and particularly tippy hendren's relationship with alfred hitchcock which is you know he basically like abused her and was like it was very very horrible to her in the making of this mm-hmm. movie because he was you know obviously like obsessed with her he she was like 
the Hitchcock blonde. Like she, she right. was like right. his type, and you know, in <laughs> the way both on film and then you know off screen, like in the production of it, like his his sadism towards her is like very much reflected. And yeah, like what the movie is like, you know, really about is like you know the early sixties and this both um, attraction to and repulsion and, like, fear of, like, you know, unbridled female sexuality being, like, introduced into the culture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is interesting because I guess, in, like, in a way, it's kind of like a reactionary, like, intentionally movie, but, like, it ends up sort of just being a good example of, like, what people's fears were, I guess. Um, yeah. And they lose, so <laughs> it's kinda, you kind of cheer in for the birds, I guess. <laughs> Let's give it up for the birds. They That's truly are. Yeah, you have to hand it to them. They bring, Go birds. They bring beauty into our world. And if we they don't, bring beauty you know, into our world. And this but, year, the eagles are going all the way. Go birds. <laughs> Go eagles. Squaw. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, thanks so much, Will, for coming on, talking about the birds. I get, Oh, just to be clear, we all recommend this movie, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Recommend it's, this definitely, movie. it's the I best think, one. <laughs> it's the best movie we watched for Hitchcock Month, I think, um, except maybe Psycho. This movie looks a lot better than Psycho. Yeah, I like it a lot more than Psycho. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it was up there. I would say it's neck and neck. I think it probably should have more respect than it does i think i like mm. i i love psycho too i like psycho a lot but like I, I i give the birds the inside track on my favorite hitchcock movie just because <laughs> of how like insanely funny it is yeah. <laughs> how, just, just how weird and funny it is as a movie yeah. and i think probably better looking like some of like those images will definitely stay with I, me i just more. i love the shot of her driving up the california coast so much it's it's just yeah like, yes really yes. really great there's such good stuff. Like when she's driving the boat, it looks incredible. Like when the Lydia comes down that hallway for the first time. Yes, yes, yes. Like the framings and the choices. And when she's going up and it's all lit by candlelight, incredible stuff. Um, probably the, the be definitely the best color Hitchcock movie I've seen. It's like even better than Vertigo, I think. Um, so yeah, thanks so much, Will, for coming on and talking about the birds with us. My pleasure. Anything you'd like to plug? Just the usual, uh, Chapo Trap House. Check it out. All right. Uh, and uh, I guess we are playing a show kind of together on June 5th. Oh, right. Uh, the, the Frequency, the, yeah, the frequency show. Fest. Yeah. Yeah. My band will be playing the Frequency Fest. For, so awesome. I, I can't you wait. If you're listening to this and you haven't uh, fucking bought your tickets to Frequency 1, please go do that. It's on all of our Twitters. You should. It, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but other than that, yeah, listen to Chapo. And uh, listen to me while I say to go on Twitter and follow us at Jen Lost. <laughs> and, just, uh, just, and, and, and just watch movies, too. I like to and watch movies. For just the movies. Giving it up for movies. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, follow us at Jen Lost Pod. Go to patreon.com slash generation loss and uh, subscribe to our Patreon. You can get weekly bonus episodes where we talk about the movie news. You can get access to the Discord where we show the movie that we're going to watch uh, the Sunday before the episode comes out, which is a very fun time. Um, other than that, thanks. Deuces. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.